You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1144 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on Christmas Day. And thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And we'll talk about Hawks Knicks on today's episode. Clearly not the one that everybody wanted in terms of the, uh, the, the buzz on this game, the game and the roster situation. Trey Young, not available in this contest, as well as many others from this Hawks roster. And that takes some of the juice out of this game for sure. But it was the first time in more than three decades that the Hawks played on Christmas Day. Um, not exactly the most exciting game coming in or during, honestly, but it was still a huge showcase, big stage for the Hawks. And uh, definitely, an, I would say, an intriguing and a first of a uh, first of its kind kind of event on this podcast talking about a Christmas Day game for the Hawks. But we'll get into the game now, but the Hawks did lose this game by 14 points at the end of this contest. And honestly, the disastrous start that they had was kind of what lost it for them. It was pretty much even the rest of the way, but the Hawks were down by 16 points very fast on Saturday afternoon. And um, from there, it was kind of back and forth, but the Hawks just kind of never made a run. They never led from that point forward, and they were competitive at times, but um, you know that scrappy effort kind of left them underwhelmed, uh, and defensively, it fell apart. Offensively, it was a very, 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 very slow start, let's just say, to this game. We'll get into all of that as always, but again, thank you for listening to the podcast and uh, spending some time on this holiday with us. We'll dive into the game now, but first, some pregame context in this contest. So, between the last game on Thursday in Philadelphia, which was honestly a nice win, a nice win for the Hawks on the road, and that podcast is still available, by the way, that full breakdown of Hawks Sixers. But between now and, and then, I should say, um, the Hawks added two more guys to the protocols. Uh, Wes Awundu, one of the 10-day hardship waiver signings, who played a lot of minutes on Thursday, was added to the protocols on Friday morning, and then Friday night, Anjaka Kongwu was added to the protocols. And at, at that point in time, he was the ninth guy on, on this roster in the health and safety protocols for the Hawks. They had some positive news on the injury report initially with Cam Reddish and DeLon Wright both being um, listed as probable. That kind of surprised me, especially with Wright, that injury with his ankle when he seemed to be in a lot of pain. I was surprised he was able to play, and uh, obviously a good thing for the Hawks. He actually played well in this contest. Those guys ended up playing in this game, and then Capella got cleared, surprisingly so, I thought, on Saturday morning. That was an early, like, 8 a.m. kind of uh, news dump um, out of, I believe, I believe it was Adrian Wojnarowski that reported that news. So that, that was positive news as well, that they were had just another body available. And the Hawks also signed both Cat Barber and Malik Ellison out of College Park. Barber is a guy that you might recognize from NC State in years past, and Ellison is a 6'6 wing who's been play, actually playing at Pitt and St. John's, as well as Hartford in college. So the Hawks had 12 guys active in this game. That, of course, included four replacement players. So, um, you know, it was a nightmare rotation for lots of the game, but they, were, they had a bigger roster than I thought they were going to have, at least going into, uh, going into Friday. The Knicks are missing some guys as well, but nothing at all similar for New York. They were mostly intact. Derrick Rose missed this game for the Knicks, and New Orleans Noel missed the game for the Knicks. But they got a lot of guys back from the protocols, and they were kind of rounding in a, in a normal form here. So as I sort of talked about at the end of the podcast on Thursday, the Hawks were going to be underdogs in this game, and they were. They were actually about seven or seven and a half one underdogs when the injury reports came out on Friday night. It got down to about six or so, five and a half, six, when uh, the game actually started because of the Capella um, I guess addition slash uh, uh, recovery from the protocols and the Hawks were still underdogs, but they were at least supposed to be competitive in this contest. In fact, on paper, this was a more competitive game than Thursday in Philadelphia would have been. So we're getting into the game now. And uh, they started by Donovich for the first time since he was re- returning from the, from the injury. He sort of a fairly looking, a fairly normal looking lineup to start the game. With of course the exception of Trey Young who had played every game until he went in the protocols. Um, they started to line right in his place. 
But with Reddish, uh, Bogdanovich, Collins, and Capella, that's a very normal 2-5 through five for this team to be starting. Um, with that said, it was a 19-3 to three run by the Knicks to open this game. 19 points on 10 possessions for New York, which is obviously um, very bad for the defense. They made their first seven shots, the Knicks did, including five threes. They were red hot in the early going. Defensively, it was, it was not good, but they were definitely just hot as well at the outset. The Hawks actually had a great design play for Cam Reddish to get a layup on the first possession of the game. So they score, but then they actually missed their next 11 shots, including 0 of 6 combined from Collins and Wright. Um, they had three points at almost five minutes at the start of this game, um, which is obviously not what you want um, at that point in time. Um, some foul trouble stuff for the Knicks early. They actually had two fouls on Julius Randle, but rotationally for the Hawks, it was the first subs were Mays, Gorgie Jang, and Jalen Johnson coming in for Bogdanovich, Collins, and Capella at the same time. They brought in Lance Stevenson at the end of the first quarter, and then Bogdanovich back, actually. They're keeping him to short stints. That was a theme. Nate talked about it a little bit, but while they started him, he's not playing those, like, 10-minute stints that he used to play, at least right now as he recovers from the, you know, from the ankle stuff that he was bo- that he was bothered by. So he played, like, five or six minutes at a time, came back in and kind of bridged the second unit. The Knicks did finally cool off a little bit, and the Hawks got some live ball turnovers. DeLon Wright got hot. He made his next three shots and was actually quite good after a very bad start. It was kind of funny. I thought, you know, DeLon, who I've been talking about a lot the last few days on Twitter, I think he's undervalued right now by Hawks fans for sure. But he had a pretty terrible start. He had a couple of bad possessions at the outset. And from that point forward, he was awesome. So we'll get into that later on. But he kind of rescued him a little bit in the early going. But Donovich got, got undercut by Quentin Grimes on a three-point attempt. It got reviewed, and he was not very happy. And rightfully so. He landed on his bad ankle on Grimes. And it was actually called a flagrant one foul it was also a three shot foul so bogey goes to the line makes two of three which is not you know perfect but made two of three and then hit a three on the next possession so a five point possession by Bogdanovich alone at the end of the first quarter to cut the deficit down from 14 to nine so the disaster scenario just getting blown out was definitely out there in the early going when it was 19 to three the Hawks actually did a pretty good job reflecting and kind of getting back into the game but the offense was very bad in the first quarter 21 points on 24 possessions, which is, uh, you know, bad in itself, but 3 of 18 on 2-point shots. That is impossibly bad on 2s. Not 3s, on 2s. That was the worst 2-point shooting quarter of the entire season for Atlanta. Um, Again, that's 16.6% from 2. That's so bad. But they shot well from 3. They were 4 of 11 and had no turnovers. So, given... If I tell you only that the Hawks are going to shoot 3 of 18 on twos and they still score 21 points, it's actually pretty surprising. But they made some threes, took care of the ball, and they won the glass uh, in that point in time. The Knicks actually shot 7 of 14 from three, but missed their last, sorry, six of the last seven. So it was uh, worse than that early on. In the second quarter, they stayed with Bogdanovich to go with the bench unit. It was a nine-man rotation for the Hawks. The five starters plus Mays, uh, Jang, Johnson, and Lance Stevenson as the one 10-day guy cracked the rotation in this game. It was a 12-4 run by the Hawks going back to the first quarter, getting back within five um, after the first four points of that period. We went back to the starters pretty uh, much halfway through the period. Cam had two great finishes around the rim, back-to-back possessions. There was one nice one and then a three-point play that was kind of a whirling, um, really impressive layup, um, plus the contact by Cam Reddish. Nice little stretch from him there at that point. Uh, The Hawks had it to five a few different times. They went back to ten, went back to five, went back to five again. It was kind of that back-and-forth Collins, Bogdanovich, and Capella, which I think coming into the game would have been the three most high-profile and best players from the Hawks on the roster, were 2 of 16 from the floor at that point early in the game, which is uh, pretty rough in some respects. Collins did a 3 after a nice ATO set from McMillan out of a break, but then Evan Fournier got hot late with 10 straight points for the Knicks, and the Hawks went from down 4 with about 3 minutes to go in the half to down by 10 
at the halftime break. That definitely hurt them after they kind of scratched and clawed to get back within four to be down by 10 was not great, but it was still, you know, competitive at that point. The offense was better in the second quarter. Um, Turnovers were good, only three. DeLon Wright had 11 points and three steals in the first half. Cam had 10 points. Um, they got a lot of threes up. They actually took 22 threes in the first half. That's that's good volume and good accuracy, but um, ugly from two, obviously. Defensively, it was pretty much a mess. We'll get into that more later on in the podcast, but the Knicks um, attempted 25 threes. That's a ton. They shot up very well in the first half, and the pick-and-roll stuff really throughout the game, but especially in the first half, is kind of a mess. Some rotational breakdowns from the Hawks. And, uh, you know, there's... Pluses and minuses, you could say, did the Hawks deserve to be down by more at halftime? Potentially, given how bad they played on offense. But at the same time, the Knicks were pretty hot. So being down 10, like it's still a pretty competitive game at that point in time. But as we look ahead to the second half, we'll get into all that stuff on the podcast. The Hawks never led um, in this contest. Um, they were down 3 nothing at the outset and never took the lead at any point. And you know, while the second quarter was solid, they lost the second quarter still at 30-31-30, and really, the Hawks lost every quarter except for the fourth, even the fourth was basically just garbage time, so it was kind of a wire-to-wire thing for the Knicks, which we'll get into in a second, but I want to at least set the tone for what's to come on the rest of the podcast. With that said, um, we'll get into the second half and some player takeaways, some overall observations, and a look ahead to Monday, but first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, and that is Built Bar. It's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and it's high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious, and it's healthy. With so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Well, you have raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie. There are so many different options with Built Bar. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the extra holiday shoppers that are out and about. So if you're just standing in endless shopping lots, Built Bar can give you all that extra something that helps you keep going. Throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. And because it's the season of peace and love, do not bring up your favorite Bilbao flavors at family parties because people are so passionate about their favorite flavors, they'll fight you for it and things can get even out of hand. If you're friends with Santa, well, tell Santa to throw a few Bilt Bars in the stockings this year and with so many flavors that make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. And if you like some of the marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Bilt Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate, and they taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Finally, if you want something to cozy up to with something warm as a holiday secret, you can dip Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little, give your beverage a nice Built Bar flavor, plus you have that nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. And with all of that said, you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. Yes, that's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. 
All right, we'll dive into the second half now. And the Hawks did stay cold early in the third quarter, missing their first three shots, going down to 33% shooting for the game at that point in time. They got down by 14 points pretty early. There was a nice 8-0 run combined by DeLon Wright and John Collins. Wright had made five straight shots at that point in time. The Hawks were back within six with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, neither team scored for almost three minutes after that, kind of a, uh, a standstill of sorts. The Knicks actually were pretty cold in the whole second half, honestly, but especially in that early portion. They were 2 of 12 from the floor at the outset for New York, but Collins couldn't get a whistle as usual. A pretty wild no-call against Mitchell Robinson, just a weird play in which Collins just cannot get a friendly whistle to save his life, alas. Uh, rotationally, it was pretty similar. It was Maze for Bogdanovich with some short stint stuff for Bogey, then Jang for Capella, Stevenson for Wright, and then Johnson for Collins again. Same rotation, same nine guys in the second half, but the uh, the game was kind of broken open, and honestly, the Hawks if you, if you want to discount the beginning of the game, which I would not do, um, and want to say the biggest mo- moments of the game were probably this one, a 16-4 to run by New York late in the third quarter to put the Hawks down by 18 points. It was not over at that point, but it was basically over because the Hawks never made a run from there. The Hawks didn't score for more than four minutes, which is going to get you beat most of the time. Uh, seven consecutive empty trips on, on the offensive end of the floor. There was a nice big dunk by John Collins after a miss by Gorgie Jang. He actually made a three after that, but he was kind of the only one doing anything at that point in time. And the Hawks go from down four, or, sorry, down six where they were mid-quarter in the third to being down by 18 late in the third, and they kind of never recovered from that. Um, they were down by 15 at the end of the period. Defensively, again, it was notably better in the second half for the Hawks. It wasn't good necessarily, even though they held New York to 40 points after halftime, but I do think that the Hawks were more competitive defensively. It just didn't matter because the offense could not score. They scored seven points in the final eight and a half minutes of the third quarter, and uh, that's kind of hard to do when you're already behind the eight ball in terms of the scoreboard. Um, early in the fourth, they gave up two threes um, in a row to go by, down by 21. That was a large deficit of the night, but it was kind of over at that point in time in some respects. Um, you know, Credit to the Knicks, I will say that, for some pretty good offense by their standards in this game. But the Hawks had too many breakdowns. They just kept losing shooters in the corners and losing shooters on the perimeter and like over-rotating and had a lot of breakdowns. Uh, the Knicks were shooting over their heads, but they took 39 threes in 38 minutes at the outset. That was obviously way too many. They brought the Stars back in for one final push with about eight minutes to go, and they were down by like 19. They got to 17 at one point, but out of a timeout, New York hit a three, but Donovich missed one, and that kind of was pretty indicative of the, of the day to go back up, back down by 20, and that was kind of it. There was one stretch with DeLon Wright having two buckets and a block shot in a row to get it down to 15 with about five minutes to go, which, you know, it's not over at 15 with five minutes to go. You're a huge underdog, obviously, but um, after the time after a timeout by the Knicks, Barrett scored over Bogdanovich, then Cam turned it over on a pretty out-of-control drive, and they couldn't uh, score from there. It was basically over, I would say, with three and a half minutes to go. They got the bench in there with the 10-day guys with about two minutes left, and they lost by 14 points. The big highlight late was the Obi Toppin dunk, which I'm sure was making the rounds in highlight circles at this point in time, but um, alas. Okay, so taking a step back and sort of a broad takeaway here, the offense was very bad in this game. Some of that's explainable by the lack of personnel, you know, without Trey, without, um, you know, without Kevin Herter, without even Kongwu, Gallinari is obviously a plus offensive player in some respects. The Hawks scored 91 points per 100 possessions during the competitive portion of this game. They shot 34% on twos for the night. That is absolutely dreadful. Um, it was better after the first quarter when they were 3 of 18, but still, uh, that's very, very bad shooting. There's just nothing going to the rim other than those two makes by Cam Reddish at the rim, and then Collins had a couple as well. Capella was a non-factor offensively in this game, and they just had nothing going to the rim, basically. Um, they shot it well, um, well, at least decent enough from three. 13 of 38, that's enough to win a lot of nights. That's a decent amount of volume, made 13 threes. That's more than their average. But they were 4-16 from, from three in the second half, so they kind of wasted a little bit of that in the first period. 
first half, I should say, um, combined, Bogdanovich and Reddish, it's not just those guys by any means, but when you come into the game, they are your two you know, most prominent scoring options on the perimeter, and uh, basically, I would say you kind of had to have at least one of them have a good game offensively, and that didn't happen in this contest. They were combined 6 of 27 from the floor and 3 of 16 from 3. And that basically is a death sentence with what else they had available. Again, that's not all on those guys, but you kind of had to have one of them blow up the way that Cam did you know, last couple nights. And Bogdanovich had that late stretch on Thursday that kind of helped them to win the game. It just never happened in this game. Those, those two guys struggled, and uh, they were not alone by any means. Um, basically even in turnover margin and rebounding, but that wasn't enough. They turned the ball over nine times in the second half. That's way too many for when you're trying to make a comeback. And again, the Hawks scored 36 points after halftime. That's not going to be enough ever. Um basically, especially when you're losing. Uh, defensively, a 115 defensive rating in non-garbage time minutes. Uh, that is not like completely disastrous, but when you factor in the Knicks are not very good on offense, um, it looks worse, clearly. Um, the second half was better, and they were pretty good near the rim. Like Two-point defense was actually not a problem in this game, but the perimeter stuff was very bad. The Knicks actually did them a favor and missed a bunch of shots after halftime. 34% from the floor for New York in the second half but it just wasn't enough because they couldn't score. They made 23s. They took 53s. I would say it's a huge indictment of the Hawks' defense that they allowed the Knicks to take 53s in this game. That's just way, 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 way too many, and they weren't like they were just forcing them. They had a lot of good looks, a lot of breakdowns. McMillan talked about the game after the game, as you might imagine, and he referenced um, overhelping defensively. That was definitely on tape. I think as well, you kind of see the Hawks just kind of having one breakdown after another. Bogdanovich overhelping. He was bad in this game. Cam Reddish was not very good defensively by his standards in this game. Um, just the perimeter stuff was kind of a mess throughout. And I didn't, didn't exactly have the uh, lights out rim stuff to kind of overcome that either. Um, McMillan did say that there wasn't a lack of effort. I think I agree with that. They were not like just mailing it in. They just could not execute defensively. And that's been a theme all season long. It's been pretty rough on the perimeter. You know, Mike Prada of um, formerly of SB Nation um, tweeted this during the game as well, but Mike said, you know, the point of attack defense is not is not only a Trey Young problem for the Hawks, which I say all the time, but it was good to see someone nationally kind of say that, you know, Trey gets a lot of blame for that, and he is pretty bad defensively in some ways, but it's not only him. Like, it's, it goes well beyond Trey. You know, I kind of went through the list, but for the season, uh, you know, you know, obviously Lou Williams is not good defensively, that goes without saying, but then you factor in, uh, you know, Gallo is not a perimeter player, but he makes your life a harder pick and roll, for instance, on the perimeter, but even the guys on the wing who you think you might get more out of have been a little bit shaky, like Bogdanovich has been pretty bad defensively this year, I'm not sure if it's always going to be that way, but his ankle stuff may be holding him back, and uh, he's not, he's not been good, like I would say he's been uh, pretty, pretty harmful defensively this year. I think Herter has been okay, but probably not as good as he was at times last year. Um, I think Reddish has been worse than he was last year. Still a guy who can make plays for you, but I think he's had some nights, including today, that were just not very good defensively. Not, I don't worry about his defense. Like, I think Cam's kind of a different level than Bogdanovich, for instance, in terms of his defensive talent, but uh, not been quite as good as he was in previous seasons. And then, you know, with Hunter out as well, you're relying on a lot of guys who are probably uh, need to be playing, obviously, a position down defensively in terms of like their matchups. And then you throw in like Delon Wright is solid and pretty good, but he's not going to like change your life defensively either. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a you know Skyler May is the same thing. Skyler May is, is a good physical guy, but he's not like this lights out athlete and he's limited in size. So you know defensively the personnel is not great either, but the performance level has not been good. The attentiveness has not been good. Lots of breakdowns on the perimeter. So. It's been frustrating, and the Hawks, I think this is not a secret to anybody that's been watching the team all year long, but if you're a new listener, or it's Christmas or whatever, the Hawks' defense has been by far the major problem. There's always a lot of focus on the offense, you know, especially without Trey, and I'm guilty of that too. Like, the offense, the offense without Trey has been so bad this year. But overall, 
problem number one, two, three, four on this team this season, even amidst some of those late breakdowns and some of the offensive stuff, has been the defense. The defense has been bad all year long. Um, I think it's more of a perimeter issue than a rim issue. I think Capella's gotten a lot of heat, got a lot of heat, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast. But I think really most of that has been the perimeter point of attack stuff, and it's been kind of a mess, and it was in this game. So rant over for now, but there you go on that. All right, before we get to our last segment on the show today in the player evaluation section of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the college bowl season and then from there to the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season and every season. You can head to the website right now at BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. To get that bonus, use our promo code Locked On to receive 50% in extra cash on your first deposit. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, and much, much more. In fact, basically everything in the sports world. You can get all of it at BetOnline.ag and do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this season and every single season after that. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, so don't wait. Take advantage of the offer that we are giving you right now with promo code Locked On. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, and we'll dive into the players now to end the podcast. And off the bench, it was, again, basically just four guys that appeared. Both Malcolm Hill and Cat Barber got in for the final two minutes. Malik Ellison did not play after he was signed um, earlier today on Saturday. But no surprises on any of that stuff. The Hawks were going to go with what they could go with in this game. The bench actually did a reasonable job in some respects. They were actually able to hold down the fort for the most part. In this game, Lance Stevenson, two points, three rebounds, two assists in 14 minutes. Didn't play him a ton. Had the ball in his hands a little bit as well. Had a turnover, but I think played decent defense and was, you know, at least physical the way that he, way that he can be. Gorgie Jang was uh, okay, I thought, in this game. Six points, five, five assists, which is uh, weirdly high. Actually led the team in assists. Gorgie Jang did in this game. Uh, four rebounds, two six from the floor, two of four from three. Um, didn't give them a ton um, on offense, but hit the two threes and I thought did his job for the most part in a game where he was uh, going to be at least a somewhat of a large factor off the bench. Jalen Johnson had some better moments in the second half, but um, I think he is definitely still lost in the wilderness a little bit. Nate McMillan uh, dropped a uh, uh, one of those uh, quotes that you might hear about a rookie sometimes that he was uh, kind of a deer in the headlights the last few games. Um, you know, that's not, it, that might sound more damning than it is. You know, it's just that him, he's a rookie and Nate was, he did say that he, they kind of have been asking Jalen to just kind of play with energy and he's been able to do that. But at the same time, he doesn't really know what he's doing at this point in time. That's me, not, that's me saying that, not Nate, not Nate. He's a rookie. It is what it is. He had a dunk at one point in the second half, but seven rebounds was at least active on the glass. I think he was probably better in this game than he was in either of the previous two, but there's a reason why he hasn't been playing a ton. It's because he's just not ready just yet. Um, and Skylar Mays was good in the first half in particular. Um, not so not as great in the second half, but I thought he was totally fine. 11 points, 2 steals, 2 assists. Um, after actually having a double-double with rebounds on Thursday, he had no rebounds in this game, which is kind of funny. But um, 5-11 from the floor, 1-6 of six from 3. He was one of the rare guys on the team that actually shot better from 2 than 3. He was 4-5 on 2s and only 1-6 on 3s. But I thought Skylar gave them good minutes. And as we talked about on Thursday, I think it would be totally reasonable to give him some of Lou Williams' minutes, if not all of them, coming into uh, whenever Lou gets back. But we'll see if that actually happens. I can I tend to be skeptical because uh, Nate likes his veterans, that's for sure. But um, we'll leave that there for now. To the starters. We'll start with Clint Capella. A weird evaluation here. I think that, number one, Clint Capella was bad in this game. Um, on offense in particular. I think defensively, he was... Not as bad as some people thought that he was. I think it was more of a problem on, on, on defense on the perimeter, but he was not himself defensively in this game. He was slow-footed. Um, he had a couple of breakdowns. Uh, 
two blocks is worthwhile and had some rebounds, you know, led the team rebounding as he, as he almost always does when he plays. But I think that it is definitely worth noting, and I would say almost emphasizing that Clint was in the protocols as of Friday night. He went to bed in the protocols, so he hadn't really done anything physical in four days, five days. So that is, I think some context is important there. Like, I think Nate kind of said that even as well, like, you know, condition was going to be a problem at some point for Capella. And I don't want to say that you write the game off, but it is worth considering that he was uh, not supposed to play in this game until this morning. So uh, there was lots of harsh criticism about Capella. I get it. He was not good. I'm not saying otherwise. He was not good in this game. Offensively, 2 of 7 from the floor is very bad for Capella on his shot diet. And the 2 of 6 from the free throw line as well. It was a mess. Uh, Don't get me wrong. But I, I think that it's some grace there would probably be afforded to him. He's not been the same guy this year. No question about it. He had about a two-week span when he was, um, I think, closer to what he was last year. People con- con- have started calling for a Congo to start. That's a little bit overzealous for me. Um, in, in reality, probably more than anything else, because Nate McMillan is not going to start a Congo over Capella. That's not going to happen. Uh, you can argue about it all day long if you'd like to, but Capella uh, is the veteran, and uh, you know I have someone that argue he should have been an all-defensive guy last year. That's how good he was last season. He was the single biggest reason why they were better on defense last year, etc. I gave you all that stuff. He's not been as good this year, no question about that, but um, you know, pinning the loss on him today was not that's not that's not responsible. He wasn't good at all, but uh, he was just one of the problems on defense, and I think probably one of the lesser ones, to be honest. From there, um, as I talked about before, the two guys um, on the perimeter that you would have thought and probably needed to have a lot of offense from in this game both struggled offensively, and that's Bogdanovich and Reddish. Bogey was two of twelve from the floor, two of eight from three, so zero of four on twos. So that's bad. Um, eight points, four assists, five rebounds, had a steal. Two turnovers, minus 17. Here's the thing. Bogdanovich um, has not been good this year. That is worth just saying out loud. Uh, I believe that. Uh, obviously, he was excellent the second half of last season. Um, but the last couple of games, I, mean, he, I will say he was responsible for a lot of that fourth quarter push on Thursday that helped them win the game, but he was terrible before that. So the shooting, I don't worry about. People were kind of asking me on Twitter, like, you know, it was a ton of panic about Bogey. Uh, I don't think it's time to panic about his offense because I think Bogdanovich, if nothing else, has proven to be a good NBA shooter. Is he the guy that he was last season when he made 50% of threes in the second half of the season? No, that's probably an outlier. But he's a, he's a proven you know high 30s on real volume three-point shooter. That's not just suddenly gone. But I do think that he's been, a little, I would say, a step slow this season. Um, if that's attributable to the injuries, maybe last year's injury as well, where he had the long-term injury. He was battling the injury in the playoffs. And then this year he has the ankle issue now. So... That's probably some of it, if not all of it, but he has been a step slow in terms of creation ability and moving off screens. And then defensively, he's been quite bad. As I sort of alluded to earlier, I thought he was terrible in this game on defense. I don't say that lightly. I thought he was I thought he was probably the single biggest problem defensively in this game overall, between him playing 36 minutes and also just kind of being bad. So it was a rough night for Bogey. I'm not going to tell you he sucks now because he doesn't, but that's just one of those things. Um... And then Cam Reddish had a decent start, actually, at 10 points in the first half, and then was scoreless after halftime. Uh, Cam just couldn't get anything going in the second half. That's going to happen sometimes. That's not an indictment of him. He was, uh, I thought, pretty good on Thursday, and obviously had the huge game on Wednesday when he scored 36 points. But um, second half of this game, looking it up now, just to make sure I'm, I'm not, that I have this right. But yeah, he was 0-5 from the floor, 0-3 from three, and two turnovers in the second half. So he struggled. Um, and, you know, he's going to have that kind of night. You know, having him has kind of be the number one option or number two option at, at a minimum is probably a little bit more than you'd want at this point. Obviously, he excelled in that role at times Thursday, on Wednesday and Thursday, but 
Houston have it in this game. One of eight on threes, one, uh, sorry, three of seven on twos. He had those two great takes to the rim. That's actually pretty encouraging. And his numbers at the rim this year are notably better. I've always been skeptical, even dating back to college, about Cam around the rim because the numbers have always been really bad. But they have been better this year. Now, his long twos have not been very good. He's actually shooting worse on twos overall because of the uptick in long twos, but he has been better getting to the rim. That's a, a, a sizable step forward from him. And defensively, I don't think he was very good in this game either, but he, had, he, did, have, he did have the two steals. So um, just one to kind of throw away in some respects for Cam. Uh, he's, he's been better than this previously. He'll be better than this again. We'll leave it there for now. The two guys who had the most productive games in terms of the stat sheets were Clint, uh, sorry, not Clint Bell, uh, DeLon Wright and John Collins. We'll go to Collins first. 20 points, eight rebounds, three assists, two blocks for John he had a rough first half, couldn't get anything going offensively. Better after halftime, um, he was their leading scorer in the second half with 13 points on 5-9 shooting. Um, so he was better there. You know, He didn't get any whistles as usual, but was inefficient by his standards by far. You know, 7 of 18 from the floor for him, and 4 of 13 on twos for John Collins just kind of never happens. So that's a weird one in some respects, but he made 3 of, uh, three of 5 from 3. I thought he played okay. Um, wasn't great by his standards, but at least did his job for the most part. And then DeLon Wright had a, had a nice game. Um, I think people are going to forget about it now because this is a bad game for the team. And he, had, and he had that very dreadful start, which is kind of fun. He was 0-3 from the floor, and I think he had at least one turnover in the first like three minutes. And then from there, he was 8-10 of 10 the rest of the game, and 4-5 on threes. So uh, three steals for DeLon as well. Actually, they had him for four at one point, and then they took one away. But you know, still three steals, two assists, four rebounds. I have uh, sort of extolled the virtues of DeLon for a while, but I thought he was... Uh, maybe their best player in this game. I think Collins was probably their best player, but uh, DeLon was their second best player, I would say. Um, so he played well. Uh, you're not, you're not going to expect him to make four or five threes all the time, but he got to the rim a little bit too. It was four of eight on four of eight on twos. That's better than everybody else was doing basically in this game. So a nice night or nice afternoon at the office for, for DeLon Wright and some uh, positivity for the future there. So all that said, we got into it earlier, but uh, just a kind of a bad two-way night. Offensively, it was rough in the first half. And still not great in the second half. Defensively, it was not good for most of the night, even with um, some better shooting numbers allowed in the second half. But I will say, like, if you ask me either to take this game as gospel or throw it away completely, and those are my only two options, I would throw it away completely. You're still playing without, you know, half your roster. You're, I'm not going to list all the guys that were out again, but, you know, essentially a lot of the guys that you would think would be out in this game. Uh, Trey Young did not play. Kevin Herter did not play. Danilo Gallinari did not play. Uh, Nekai Kongwu did not play. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is still out. So, like, the list goes on and on. Kongwu, obviously, as well. So, um, you know, you lose to the Knicks, who are not the greatest team in the world. But, you know, on the road, impossible spot with your roster. And uh, kind of throw this one away in some respects. But there are, there are always some takeaways, individually or team-wise, that you can get into. We got into those earlier in the podcast. Last thing on the show before we get out of here for the holiday, uh, the Hawks return to action on Monday at home against the Chicago Bulls. It's actually an interesting spot. Chicago's been good this year. That's worth pointing out. They had a COVID pause uh, last week and missed a couple games, but um, they're 19-10 and 10 on the season, and they're playing quite well. Um, so that's a tough spot for the Hawks, depending on who's available. We'll see if Trey can play by them. We'll see if Gallo can play by them. Those guys were the first ones in the protocol, so we'll see. But um, they could return for that game. Nothing guaranteed, though, at this point in time. The Bulls, by the way, though, are on the second night of a back-to-back. They actually play on Sunday at home in Chicago. So they have to, they have an 8 o'clock start in Chicago, Eastern Time, on Sunday. Then they fly to Atlanta for a 7.30 start on Monday, so back-to-back. So that, that's an advantage for the Hawks. That's not everything, but home court plus back-to-back rest advantage probably gives you a few points in terms of the point spread in the game. But Chicago is the better team right now in terms of on paper and their record and their net rating, all that stuff is better than the Hawks. So we'll see what happens there, but that's a pretty interesting test. They play again on Wednesday after that, and they're in Cleveland for New Year's Eve next Friday. So 
All that said, please subscribe to the podcast. I said this on a previous show, but Spotify, if you're a Spotify listener, has uh, ratings now. Um, Apple Podcast still does. If you're, not le- if you're not left a rating on Apple Podcasts, we definitely appreciate a five-star on that as well. But Spotify has a pretty new feature of being able to rate the podcast. If you like the show, please give us five stars on Spotify. Um, please tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your family. If you're traveling this week or next week or whatever on uh, on all of the uh, holiday festivities, please tell your family and friends about the show if they enjoy the Hawks or share it with your friends, etc. Um, thank you sincerely for all of the support on the podcast this year. We'll have much more to come. Might be kind of a lighter week. I'm on the road this week for uh, you know holiday festivities as well, but I will def- definitely have at least three or four podcasts um, next week as well. So please stay tuned. Please subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.